you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 29. So the big question is this, how do parents like us know that we aren't messing up the biggest role of our lives, especially when we happen to have a strong-willed child that's constantly pushing our buttons? We've all heard that kids don't come with a manual, so how can we know for sure that we're saying the right things or that we're getting this parenting thing right? Well, on this podcast for parents of toddlers to teens, we'll be giving you real tools you can use right away so that your kids will feel like they can talk to you about absolutely anything and everything. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. Okay, so in this episode, I want to speak to uh, a podcast listener's direct criticism. And I got a message. uh, I got a message from a podcast listener and it said, I was recommended to listen to your podcast. Um, If she hadn't recommended it, I wouldn't have continued past the first one. The second one, I liked your approach of holding space, empathy, and active listening. The first one, I was quite bothered by your suggestion to say the dysregulated, to say to this dysregulated six-year-old boy, you're out of control. Come talk to me when you've calmed down. That, that does not seem in line with your advice on the second episode. How about saying, you seem really frustrated. It's so annoying that I won't let you use my phone again. Ugh. So I'm writing you because I'd like to find out what you really believe and if I should continue listening. Telling anyone you're out of control is not okay and not helpful, right? So I got that and, um, and I thought, hmm. So I gave her a long response because um, I I, you know, I, this is my, this is my work and what I teach is what I have used myself, what I've taught other people, what has worked for me, especially with um, three kids, one being strong-willed, everybody having a different temperament, a different personality, a different learning style. And one of the main things that I teach parents is I teach these, kind of, sometimes I call them pack leadership skills, assertive, assertiveness skills, how to be the CEO of your household. And there's a lot of factors at play here. And what I responded to this listener, or maybe not listener anymore, was um, my main goal is always to respond with empathy. The issue is, is that when you are dealing with a dysregulated child 
in full-blown meltdown in the trenches as a real parent. And I'm, you know, you guys know who I'm talking to. Like, yeah, uh, I'm talking to you, the ones who have the kids that go into full-blown meltdown and even sometimes get violent and it gets ugly. It gets real ugly and you find yourself in a triggered state. And when you're in the heat of the moment like that, to respond and just a little backstory, I looked up this person on Facebook and she works as a counselor in the mental health industry. So um, I tell people all the time, I tell moms all the time, I just gave a talk yesterday and I said, listen, you're going to use empathy. I know you guys probably know what empathy is, but I often have parents say to me, I know it's feeling what someone's feeling and, and and I get that, but how do you do it like in real life with your kids? And what I tell everyone is, as you probably know, especially if you've ever gone to therapy, you know what empathy is because that's what therapists are so masterful at. And when we're, you know, as adults, when we go into a therapist's office and we're not in a triggered state, we've elected to be there. We want to talk about issues that are bothering us. We are paying someone to be an active listener. So when that therapist is talking to us and our fully developed adult brain saying, tell me more, how does that make you feel? And then they're acting as a mirror and responding to us, it works beautifully. And when we say to our kids, how, do, you know, how does that make you feel? Or if we use kind of therapist lingo, our kids, even my friends who are therapists tell me that if they try to put on their therapist hat with their own kids, your kids are going to look at you like that cockeyed dog, like, huh? Why are you acting so weird? Where's my mom? It does not feel authentic. There's number one. Number two, when you are in the heat of the moment with a child, one of these strong-willed children who I was talking about when I was talking about that six-year-old little boy, he was completely hijacking the household. He was doing the dictator dance at every stop. And at the end of the day, yes, I want the mom to pull him out of that defensive state of mind by becoming a team with him. And it's the long game. She's creating, she's developing this trusting relationship with him. It's an ongoing conversation. And so, yes, empathy, empathy, empathy. But in those direct moments, when you've got a strong-willed kiddo in full-blown meltdown, doing the dictator dance, or looking at you and just blatantly being defiant and it's like game on, they are not, they're in the lower centers of their brain. They are not in their prefrontal lobe. So empathizing with a person when they are in that state of mind, which is not their prefrontal cortex, they don't, they're not going to hear you, number one. And number two, it's probably just going to add gasoline to the, to the explosion that's already going on. So when I said, um, when you're calm, we can talk about this. When you're calm, we, I can't understand you. That's what I teach people when I teach my, my meltdown, my calm down corner is we have a conversation ahead of time. We establish a system for this is your safe zone to go to when you're feeling out of control in your body. Because that's what a meltdown is. Adult meltdowns or kid meltdowns. When you lose it and start yelling and acting like a lunatic, 
right? And nobody can reason with you. You can't even reason with yourself. You're like, I learned the things. Why am I still going to that place? It's because you're in your lower centers of your brain. There is no reasoning with you at that moment. There's no one who can get you into a higher place in your brain to actually be able to hear someone and have a productive conversation and be and respond to empathy until you have calmed yourself down. So what we do is we establish a protocol in the household, which is, hey, when your body's feeling like this and you're totally out of control, this is the place that you go to. And here's all these things in that space that are helpful for you to get calm. Because whenever you're calmer, then we can talk about things. And when you're calm, when, you know, when two people come together from a place of being able to have a conversation, well, then we can figure anything out. But as long as your body's feeling out of control and your behavior is out of control, we're not going to get anywhere. So when I see you in those moments, I'm going to say, go get calm. When you're calm, we can talk. And back to the assertiveness piece. When you have a strong-willed kid doing the dictator dance, they actually, they feel so dysregulated on the inside of their body. They actually are begging for more leadership and boundaries from you. This doesn't mean you're going to yell at them, you're going to shame them, you're going to be nasty, or you're going to be mean. But looking at a child that is totally dysregulated and saying, go and get yourself together, you are clearly out of control. When you are calm, we will talk about this. I promise. Go, go get yourself together. I cannot understand you. When you're calm, we'll talk about this. That is not dismissing the child. That is not telling them that, they're out of control and, and, and it's, you know, unacceptable and you're not going to help them. It's just laying down a boundary in your house so that if you have one of these uh, strong-willed kids who does do the dictator dance, they're not hijacking your whole household. And it actually helps them to feel safer in the world because when a child is acting that way, whether they're, you know, two or, or 12, and they feel like everyone's walking on eggshells around them and we're constantly like they get all upset and we try to do like what this lady said, like with the empathy in those moments where it's, you're so annoyed. You really wanted to use my phone. When we try to reason and we're dancing around and we're really trying so hard to pull them out of that super dysregulated state, they recognize that everyone's tiptoeing around them. They know they have the power and kids they want to be kids. They want the adults to be like, I got it. I'm the pack leader. Listen, go get yourself together. Come back and we'll talk. I can help you with anything. I cannot understand you. You're out of control. Go get yourself together. You know the drill. Come back. And so, and, and what we know is less, less words are better. So when it's like, you're clearly out of control, you're clearly out of control. When you're calm, we'll talk. You're clearly out of control when you're calm, we'll talk. That's just whatever the lingo that makes sense. But the most important piece of it is what, what your tone is, what your um, intention is. When I'm saying that, I'm not saying I want to banish you <laughs> and never deal with you, child. I'm saying this is, you know, nothing's going to get accomplished right now. When we come back together in a civilized way, we'll figure this out. I got your back, right? So that it, the, the child starts to trust you and they understand 
when they go, when they're out of control, they have, they go to their room, they get themselves together. They um, might read a book. They have the little squishy balls, whatever it's there. They really just need to learn how to hold space for themselves. So, um, and, and we're sending them the message of it's totally up to you when you, as soon as you're calm, come on out. We're not setting a timer. This is not a punishment. This is you creating a safe space for you to go and allow your body to get calmer and then come back and talk to me. But we have, but when we have a person in full blown meltdown, like we have to say that assertively. So this child knows that they can believe us. And we're also establishing a boundary where we're saying like, you may not, you know, without saying you may not hijack the household, we're basically saying you may not hijack the household. That's our way of saying you can absolutely have every feeling you're feeling and go do it in your safe space. These common areas, not okay. Like go and get yourself together and then come back. I think that boundary is super important. So I just looked up, um, on the internet, I was looking up um, something about dysregulated children and on this um, therapy website, it was talking about my favorite coping skills for dysregulated children. And she says, I'm a therapist. And she starts talking about kids that have ADHD, oppositional defiance, autistic children. And she talks hot chocolate breathing and this way of teaching kids how to do breath and hot chocolate breathing. And take me there pictures. Another skill I learned is um, take me there pictures. This skill is, at, is aimed at engaging the five senses and observing and describing mindfulness, grounding, draw my feelings, Plato creations. Here's the thing. Yes, practice those things all day long, just like when you go to a therapist's office and you're not in a triggered state and that empathy feels amazing and you're able to really get a lot out of that session. Practice these Things when you have your child in a non-triggered state, when there's no meltdown, when you're like, hey, listen, I want to go over some of these things. When you're feeling like your body's like, like totally out of control on the inside and you just want to like blow, here's some things when you go to your safe space that you can do. Here's some coping skills. Yes, we want to teach them these coping skills when it's at a non-relevant time and, um, and teach it to them and practice and practice again and talk about how it's totally normal to have, you know, feelings that feel out of control in your body. And when we're aware of our body, we have these beautiful methods to help calm us down and regulate us. And when you've got a kid in full-blown meltdown, they're not going to respond to you all of a sudden talking about hot chocolate breathing and take me their pictures. They need to get to a higher center in their brain to be able to respond to that. And the only way to do it is to really practice these things out of the heat of the moment. And then maybe you look at them and you just like take a deep breath and their mirror neurons kick in and you keep yourself calm and you say, when you're calm, we can talk about this. But Empathizing in the heat of the moment when you have a kid that's totally in their emotional centers, no, it's not, it, it's, it, it sounds great in theory. I have not found that to work in practice. You have to teach your kids coping strategies so that you can assertively let them know they've just crossed a boundary, this behavior is unacceptable, you know, out in these common areas, go and get yourself together. 
You are clearly out of control. When you're calm, we will talk. And it's firm and it's assertive like that. And you're letting them know, I got this. Go get yourself together. So I just wanted to clarify that uh, for that listener and for anybody else who has been wondering. I've been going over this with my private groups a little bit where, you know, I teach about empathy. And yes, we want our kid, we want to see their perspective and we want to actively listen and we don't want to jump into fix it mode. I actually think that what this listener was describing was using empathy to fix a child's upset emotions. Like, when uh, what we really want to do is we want to send our kids the message of you're allowed to feel whatever you feel and i am not going to tell you how you should feel or try to talk you out of feeling a certain way what i will do is i'll teach you some amazing coping strategies for when you notice you're feeling that way but ultimately you've got the power to do this i'm going to empower you to do this and i'm going to model this and i'm going to practice it and i'm going to be here and when you're having these emotions i'm going to love you right through it and you're not going to hijack the household i'm going to send you to your safe space cuz you need to provide that space for yourself at that moment your body is telling you that you need some downtime and you need to go and get yourself together and then you can come back and we can talk about this. So I've been really talking about like when I'm teaching this thing about empathy and being on the same team and seeing their perspective and when we have a disagreement and we blow our top coming back and apologizing and disrupting the pattern where they're expecting us not to apologize. They're expecting us to lecture them and we're like, listen, I shouldn't have blown my lid. I totally blew that thing out of proportion. Like I teach all of these amazing tools and I'm always saying, yes, we have to see the child's perspective. We have to love them through all these things, but we also have to show up as those assertive pack leaders and, um, and it doesn't always look super fluffy. It looks pretty firm when we got a kid that's in full-blown, out-of-control meltdown mode. So um, that's what I got for you today. And hope this was clarifying. And keep your questions and comments coming because it helps me to be able to get things like this and to be able to clarify. And I think it helps me to more effectively coach and teach you guys. So until next week, have a great day week. Hey, did you enjoy this episode? If so, then please take two minutes to just leave us a review. I love creating this show and I do it to help as many families as possible. So leaving a review may seem like kind of a pointless exercise, but it actually helps us reach more moms who might really need to hear these episodes. It would mean the world to me. And plus, it's just plain good karma. Thanks. Hey, you guys, thanks so much for listening. Mastermind Parenting Podcast is supported by my best-selling book, The Parent Gap. Usually getting a copy of the book and the audio version for you to listen to on the go would set you back around 20 bucks, but you can get both a digital copy and the audio book for just $5.60. It's my gift to you for being one of my podcast listeners. So head over to mastermindparenting.com forward slash book to grab your copy now.